Welcome to the Alaska Uncovered podcast with me, your host, Jenny Twing Fleming. I bring you accurate, helpful, and entertaining information about Alaska travel and life in Alaska. My occasional co-host and full-time husband, Jay, and I are committed to keeping the Alaska Uncovered podcast ad-free. To do that, we need your help. If you're enjoying the podcast, we invite you to contribute to our tip jar, which is the first link in the show notes. We are so grateful for our listeners, and we wouldn't be here without you. Thank you, and enjoy the show. My guest today is Cole Chambers. Cole has been on the Rust's K2 aviation team for over 10 years. She got to know the Rust family while working for a major cruise line that sold their excursions. When a position became available, she jumped at the chance to join them. Cole believes that flight scene is the most incredible way to see Alaska. She and her husband Spiff called Alaska home for over 20 years and now split their time between Alaska and the Midwest to be closer to family. When not at the rest's K2 offices or on the road doing her job selling Alaska flight scene, Cole can be found cooking for friends and family or out enjoying Alaska's incredible local music scene or going for a hike with her dog, Maya. Cole, welcome to Alaska Uncovered. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I know. I'm so excited about this conversation because Denali flight scene is just such a cool thing to do and... You are such a fun person to talk about it with. So I'm excited about this. So to start off, um, tell everybody how you got to Alaska. Well, you know, it's a little bit of a long story. So I'll give you the abbreviated version. Uh, <laughs> okay. You know, my my dad um, always loved anything and everything Alaska and always planned on moving there. Um, so when he was in the military, he put in countless requests to be transferred to Alaska. And it just never happened. And then he met my mom and they married and had kids. And so it was his dream. And he used to, when we were kids, make us watch all of these nature programs. You know, we wanted to watch the 80s sitcoms and we were watching Wild America and all sorts <laughs> of stuff. <laughs> so I guess it stuck uh, because when I got a little bit older, I had been offered a promotion at a job. Um, it was after school and I was working in the hospitality industry. And um, all of a sudden I had this vision of being stuck in one place for the rest of my life. And I thought, oh gosh, I don't want to do that. So I started to look at jobs in Alaska. And a friend of mine at the time had given me a book called The Backdoor Guide to Short-Term Job Adventures. And from there, I found a job um, working on the 26th Glacier Cruise out of Whittier. And I went up, um, I was in my early 20s and just fell in love. I knew when I stepped off the plane, Jenny, that I called my mom and said, I'm going to live here. I'm moving here. And uh, that first night, um, and then, you know, my, uh, my boyfriend at the time joined me now husband, um, two months later, and uh, the rest is history. I love it. That's such a great story. So fun. (laughs) So we're talking about um, Denali flight scene today. And um, so I was one of the things that I have found, and I'm sure you've seen this too, is that when people are planning their trip, they get a little bit confused about Denali. There's a lot of things that can be confusing, but one of them is you've got like uh, the park entrance area and then you've got, and there is flight scene there, but Talkeetna is really a great spot for flight scene. And I often tell people like in Talkeetna, you've got better views of the mountain 
you know, when you're at the Denali entrance area, you don't see the mountain and people are like, what? That doesn't really make sense. Anyway, so could you talk a little bit about why Talkeetna, which for those of you listening, Talkeetna is like three hours away from the park entrance. So it's not close. Um, Can you talk about why it's such a great place for a flight scene, even though it's not in the same place? Absolutely, absolutely. Well, first of all, Denali National Park is huge. Um, it is it is just massive and it's about the size of Massachusetts. And so when we say Talkeetna, the town of Talkeetna is three hours away from the Denali Park entrance. That kind of gives you a little better idea of how we could still be close to the park, if that makes sense. So uh, Talkeetna is located yes. between Anchorage and Denali National Park, uh, the, the entrance to Denali National Park. And so we're about two and a half hours to three hours from Anchorage, right smack in the middle. Um, and but but Talkeetnam Town is only sixty miles from the base of Denali, the mountain, the tallest mountain in North America, formerly Mount McKinley. We're only sixty miles to the base, and so we are on the southern side. When you're at the Denali Park entrance, they're focusing on the north side of the mountain. The southern side is so great for flight seeing because it has more glaciers and therefore more glacier carved valleys. And we are known for offering glacier landings in addition to our flight scene. And so first off, you're getting this incredible scenic south side of the mountain. Uh, then you have these really amazing uh, glaciers that you're able to fly up and follow up the mountain as you're looking at the peak of Denali, uh, the summit. And, and then you can add a glacier landing to the, to the flight scene tour. So the south side of Denali to me is more scenic. Um, it's closer, and so you're almost instantly into the foothills on those flights seeing. Um, whereas you're going from Denali National Park, it takes a little bit longer to get to the mountain itself. Yep. So, yes, yes. I hope that answered your question. <laughs> it does. It's it's That was a really good way to answer it. I feel like it's very confusing for folks because they're like, wait, this is the only place you can get into the park in like a vehicle or walking. So why is there so much flight seeing? like down here. So I think that's a great explanation that you're actually closer to the mountain when you're in Talkeetna. Yeah, yeah. And it's just, I mean, the view, like you mentioned before, that is the best place, in my opinion, in all of Alaska to see the range, uh, to see it from Talkeetna. I agree. And so there's something really special to be in town and seeing the the mountain and then to be able to get in a plane and and fly to it. Totally. Okay, so you started answering this a little bit already, but I feel like it's important to talk about a bit more. So you talked about the vast size of Denali National Park. And of course, Alaska is also vast and largely roadless. So <laughs> what makes flying in Denali National Park such a special experience? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, you know, flying in Alaska in general is just absolutely stunning. Uh, as you mentioned, it's vast. Um, we have very few roads. And so people have this mental picture of what Alaska is before they come there. I, I myself did as well. And when we poll people and say, what do you want to see when you go to Alaska? Um, the top three things that come up are glaciers, mountains, and wildlife. And, and that is what we do at K2. We have those glaciers on that mountain. We have the mountain. Uh, you know, the crown jewel of Alaska, Denali. And so uh, for people, it can it can be, it, it delivers. I guess that's the best thing. It delivers on that mental picture they've had of what Alaska is all about. And people don't 
they want to get off the road system. They want to see those uh, incredible granite peaks. They want to see the winding glaciers. And it takes very little time. You get up in the air and you meet your pilot. Your pilot is super knowledgeable. They love what they do. And everyone in on our planes has a window seat. Yeah, they have a window seat and they have a two-way headset. And I emphasize two-way headset when I'm talking about our flights because uh, the commentary is a big part of what we do. And so they're able to ask our pilots questions in real time. Some of our yep. competitors and some other flight tour companies um, where they're maybe doing a different tour, it's pre-recorded or they have a one way where it's just commentary given. And that's great for on some occasions, but for, to be at Denali when you're seeing such so many things all at once, it's really amazing to say, oh my gosh, could you tilt the plane so I can get a photo of that? Or um, what is that glacier right there? Or what do you call that peak over there? Uh, to be able to really ask questions in real time, or if they miss something the pilot said, um, they can they can say, "Oh, I missed that. Could you repeat that for me?" Yeah. It's also great for them to be able to communicate with their with their partner or um, their family. To if you see something out your window, be like, "Oh my gosh, did you see that?" So they can communicate with one another as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's interactive. I guess is the best way I can describe it. I will yeah. say honestly, though, a lot of times during the flight, it's complete silence just because people are so stunned by the amazing yeah. scenery. <laughs> people are just like, what? I have nothing to say. That's totally. me. I talk a lot and I don't have a lot to say on flight scene because I'm like, whoa, this is cool. It's so true. It's just, it takes it in. So I really like, once they get there, they start seeing these mountains. It's like, yes, this is the Alaska that I dreamed about. And it's, yeah, it's 10 times, 100 times better than what you've seen on TV. Um, and and so they get in, and then when they, if they're to add the glacier landing, uh, they get out for about 10, 15 minutes on the glacier, and you see even more of that connection happen. Uh, people, like, I always say people sometimes take a, a, a few days to kind of unwind on vacation. Mm-hmm. When you're getting one of these flights, you see them when they're in the air, you see them connecting, their eyes are just so wide, and yeah, um, they get on the glacier, and they're breathing that that mountain air, and their shoulders drop, and there's just that connection to the environment. And so it it really, uh, I guess, kind of grabs all the senses. And and like I said before, it delivers that mental picture. It makes it real. Yeah. Uh, yes, totally. And I'm glad that you mentioned glacier landings, because if if you're listening, I'm I'm gonna just say that like if if you don't want to get in a small plane, it's cool, first of all. Like, you know, if you decide flight scene isn't for you, that's totally fine. And I would really, I always tell people not to like try to push somebody into it who doesn't want to, like leave it to the people who are pumped and excited. Like you can do this by yourself if you're (laughs) excited about it and your partner is like, no way. But um, if you are doing it, I just, I just want to make a plug for doing the glacier landing because like, it's just so unique and cool. So uh, yeah, I'll just say that. So Okay, so let's talk about the glacier landing specifically a little bit more, Cole. So I know, um, like, when I did this, that the pilot was like, you know, it's kind of a game time decision if we can actually land on the glacier or not. Um, And the day that I went, the weather was kind of iffy the whole day. It was sort of like, we hope we can do this, but we're not quite sure, which, of course, that's common with flight scene. But can you talk about how to... um, navigate that if you're like I really want to do this but you know of course it's not a sure thing until it actually the pilot decides like in this moment it's cool to do this can you talk about that a little bit yeah yeah that's a that's um a great thing to kind of explain 
So slicing in general, uh, you know, of course, we pay very close attention to the weather. Um, we are a, a safety first company like any aviation company in Alaska. And so um, we're constantly monitoring, monitoring. And so with that, we have a whole dispatch team. Um, they start working on weather right now. We have webcams. We watch we watch satellite. Uh, we send pilots up for a clear view in the morning just to make sure even if the weather was perfect, just to kind of make sure the winds are where they need to be and everything's accurate. Um, and, and then we make a call on, on flights. Uh, you know, we've been doing this for uh, over 60 years now, which is really incredible. Um, it's amazing. And so, yeah, yeah. And so uh, the glacier landing, the pilots love to do the glacier landings as well. Now, I will say, first off, the flight is incredible. And so you should book, even if you want to do the glacier landing, you should book the flight knowing that sometimes we can't land on the glacier. Um, and a lot goes into that. Uh, it could be um, that the glacier is clouded over in a certain area. It could be the glacier conditions at the time. There's certain times of the year where um, the glacier is softer or we've got a ton of snowfall. Uh, we Our glacier landings, we offer those in the summer. We start them at the very end of March. That's when conditions start to get good enough and the temperature warm enough for us to land. And we do them all the way up until about October, sometimes a little bit longer. Um, but there can be a week or two in August where the conditions are really slushy and we just wait um, until it uh, cools down a little bit or we get some more snow up there. Um, but the, it is a day of decision. Um, there's times in the morning that we know fairly well that we'll land most of the day yeah. uh, based on the forecast. Uh, but there are other days where it's great flying and the flight seems incredible. Uh, but as far as the glacier landings, uh, the cloud coverage just is preventing it. Now, the nice thing is, is that we have four different glaciers on the mountain that we can land on. We most often do the flight tour and circle around and land in the Ruth Amphitheater um, or the Don Sheldon Amphitheater on the Ruth Glacier. Uh, that's a really large, massive glacier with these beautiful peaks around it. And it's just a really gorgeous place to land. But we also land at uh, Cahiltna Base Camp when it's not climbing season or Denali Base Camp. We land on um, a glacier called the Pika, which is um, we also uh, known as Little Switzerland uh, because those mountains in that area kind of kind of resemble the mountains of Switzerland. Um, and then we have another um, glacier called Eldridge that we land on sometimes um, way over on the uh, the west side of the mountain. So um, cool. as far as so those are the four that that we can land on the Ruth Glacier. So if we can, uh, the pilot's going to, they're going to do their flight scene tour, and then the pilot just gently makes his way down and touches down, and you glide across the glacier, and it's way smoother than you'd ever anticipate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm always I'm always stunned by it every time I go. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and then we spend, it adds up 30 minutes to every flight, um, but it's about 10 to 15 minutes on the glacier. So the, the 30 minutes includes the offloading and then loading back on at the end. Yeah. But plenty of time to take photos, um, some people have a real emotional response. It's not uncommon for people to to get teary eyed or emotional yeah. um, because it's so incredible and massive and it just makes you feel small and um, appreciative. Yeah. Uh, and then others just have a great time with it. We have snowball fights or snow angels and lots of photographs. Um, we have people that have renewed their vows or got engaged uh, or have done their Christmas cards up there, you know, um, it's just a, it's a really, really cool experience. But I, I will say again that even without the glacier landing, the fi flight is incredible. I always encourage people to book the glacier landing, but know that they'll absolutely enjoy the flight. Yeah, yeah. 
that makes a lot of sense. I think too, like for if you're the kind of traveler that's like, I really like to get away from it all. There, there is no getting away from it all. Like there is landing on a glacier in a small plane with the other people on the plane and maybe people from a second plane. But like, other than that, like you're, you're just kind of out there and it's just really cool. Yeah. yeah really. It's, you're so right. I know you've done it a couple of times with us. Yeah. And I just, um, I, I love it every time. And every time I bring a family member up, I, you know, I can talk about it all day long and they're like, wow, you just told me how incredible this was, but I didn't, I just didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's one of those things that you really just, um, I mean, you know, there's other things like that. I feel like seeing the Northern Lights is the same. Yes. Like there's no yes. amount of photography or even video that quite captures what that feels like to see that with your own eyes. And I think that um, that flying over Denali and especially landing there is that way to you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so about a month ago in kind of early January, um, Dawn from Alaska Helicopter Tours was on the podcast. So if you missed that episode, by the way, and you're interested in flight scene, you should definitely go back and listen to that one also. And one of the things we talked about was kind of the difference between helicopter trips and fixed wing planes, which is a fixed wing wing plane um, is, you know, a plane with wings. That is what you picture when you picture an airplane. And we talked about some of the like reasons why those can be pretty different experiences. Um, so is that something that you want to add anything to Cole from that perspective of um, kind of fixed wing flights? I know like the blue pools is something that like you can't land on a blue pool in a fixed <laughs> wing plane because that, it's not going to go well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, good, good point. Yeah. That's anyway, could point. you just talk about that a little bit more to you? Just uh... yeah, of course. Um, well, well, Dawn is a dear, dear friend of mine, and um, she's a I know she is fixed wing yeah. aircraft, which is incredible. Um, and so we, she and I, like to talk shop quite a bit, and uh, it's very different experiences. We'll travel together um, a, a lot, a lot across the U.S. talking about um, flight seeing and people will often ask us about the differences and should we do both? And absolutely, if you get a chance to get on a helicopter and then also get into a fixed wing aircraft, totally. two very, very different experiences. And um, you know what, a helicopter can land um, in weather that we can't sometimes. Um, they're usually shorter flights and they're usually, uh, they can they can uh, drop down into some of the clouded areas and uh, still land where where we might not be able to do that. Mm -hmm. um, they're also going to land in a smaller area where we need a runway to glide onto. Um, and so the glaciers that we land on are typically um, snow covered and uh, quite quite long. They're these long, amazing glaciers where we're going to get a full runway. So you're going to get the whole gliding and taking off experience, whereas a yeah. helicopter is going to land right down on the glacier, and there might be right next to the, one of those beautiful blue glacier pools. We'll see the glacier pools on our flight seeing, and the pilots will point those out um, yep. on Denali. Um, but uh, yeah, so there and there is helicopter flight seeing uh, of Denali um, from Denali National Park, but they're also not allowed to land in the park. Um, that's a, a, a national park rule. There's no helicopters, and so when they do their glacier landings, it's in the glacier outside of the park where we're going to land, and the glacier actually in Denali National Park. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, just they they are different. Like I said, uh, helicopters are going to hover a little bit more. 
Um, they're going to land uh, in some areas that that we can't, but they're also going to be a very different experience where we get that full takeoff and landing on a glacier, which is also very cool. So um, I love them both. Any chance I get it to go on a helicopter or a fixed wing aircraft, you can count me in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're both pretty cool, but I agree. Definitely, definitely different. And I yeah, think that was an important point that you mentioned there that I want to just bring up. Not everyone cares about this, but if you care about the technicality of being within the boundaries of any national park, but Denali in particular, you know, there are lots and lots of wonderful tours that you can do in the Denali area, but the fixed wing flights like K2, K2, sorry, like K2 does um, and the bus tour that goes into the park, those other than walking, those are the ways that you get into the park. So like rafting and ATVs, helicopters, like those are all awesome. They're just not yes. technically within the park, which I feel like is important for people to know. Yeah. 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 That's a good point. Okay. Um, so let's talk a little bit about gear, right? So let's say that it's like July and it's 67 degrees and I'm like wearing flip-flops. <laughs> how, <laughs> how, what do I need? Like if I'm going to now go up to the snow, um, how, what do you recommend people wear for the tour and what gear do you provide for, like, what do they need to bring and what do you provide for that experience? Yeah, perfect. Um, so generally on our tours, um, dress comfortably. We do we do suggest uh, closed-toed shoes, uh, preferably sneakers or hiking boots, um, mm -hmm. and uh, and then dress in layers like anywhere else you go in Alaska, um, because the the temperatures can change quite a bit. Typically up on the glacier, it's ten to twenty degrees um, colder than it is on the ground, um, and uh, so. You can get up there. If you're snowing in July, um, throw on your sneakers. We're going to go up on the glacier, but uh, people may take their jacket off and be standing up there in a t-shirt because that sun bounces off the glacier, you know? Yep. Um, and you can always take a layer off, but um, it's hard to pack them and 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 put them on, you know? So, yeah. so dress in layers. That's always the best thing. And you probably talked about that a few times. On your we have, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, as far as gear goes, though, if you have your closed-toed shoes, um, you don't need anything special. We're going to give you overboots, uh, Gore-Tex overboots. They're going to go right over your sneakers or your hiking boots. They're going to come up to about mid-calf. Um, and that's really just going to keep your feet dry when you're on the glacier because it can yeah. get a little bit slushy up there at times. And so that's going to keep your feet dry and your pant leg dry. Um, mm -hmm. Some people have you know, waterproof hiking boots. And I say, can we wear these? Absolutely. Um, you don't have to wear the overboots. Uh, that's just something that we provide. And it's kind of fun to put on some gear to get up on the glacier. Uh, it is fun. Other, yeah. 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 And they work quite well. Other than that, um, you know, we tell people to bring their sunglasses. We have loners if they forget those. Um, and, and really, that's all the gear you need to, to be up there with us on the glacier. Yeah. And can um, can you talk about what people can bring? Like how much there's not a lot of space. I mean, there's plenty of space for your body, but there's not like bin space yeah. or something like that so <laughs> what do you tell people that they can bring with them uh on the plane yeah that's a great question uh so for uh for the plane um you're generally going to want just a small day pack a purse um your camera and and really you don't need other thing of uh, anything other than you and your camera um mm -hmm. we do say 
Uh, if you have a big bag or um, anything you're not going to leave behind, we have uh, lockable bins and we'll take everything from that flight, put it in one bin and lock it. When you get back, you'll just retrieve it. That's great. Um, and so that keeps it super simple for you. Uh, but as far as going on the flight, there's not much more you need other than yourself and your and your phone or, or camera. <laughs> yes. And and I'm just going to say, I people who've listened to this podcast for a while or if you're on my email list and get my travel tips, you know that I'm a really big believer in um, extra batteries for your phone, like a backup power source for your phone. But you want to make sure that you have your phone like completely charged at the beginning of the flight, especially if you're going to take video. Like you don't want your phone to go dead, you know, halfway yes. through. That's bad. So um, make sure you're on top of the battery before heading out. Yeah, That's a really great tip. That's a really great tip. Yeah. And the other thing with your phones and cameras, we always try to remind you too, to um, when you're on the flights, to remember to put them down for a few minutes, to remember yeah. to actually look out the window and just yes. be there in the experience and, yep. and experience it in real time. And it's very easy to forget. I find myself because doing the sales and marketing, I find myself up there, oh, I got to get the shot. I got to get some images. Yeah. And then I remember you're in Alaska on a flight of Denali. Not many people get to do this. Take it in. Yes. <laughs> Yes, that oh, that is so true. Yeah, it's really good advice. Um, Jay, my husband, who's often the co-host on this podcast, he's a photographer, and that's something he talks about a lot too. Is like, especially with things like looking for the northern lights, like don't spend yeah. the entire time looking through your camera lens. Like, make sure that you're getting to just be an experience, just like you said. Cool. It's really good. Yeah, yeah. That is it. It is. It is. With Northern Lights too. I've been there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, we're gonna take a short break. And when we come back, we'll have a few more questions with Cole around flight scene. And we'll also talk a little bit about the town of Talkeetna. So we'll be right back. Hi everyone, Jenny here. I just wanted to let you know about a couple of the other ways that I can help you with planning your trip to Alaska besides this podcast. One of them is my Alaska travel planners, which are digital documents where you can keep track of everything for your trip in one place, stay organized, and share it with your travel companions. And I have different ones for different types of trips. So those digital planners, along with my pre-made itineraries, which are five of my absolute favorite all-time Alaska itineraries. All that is in my online shop. So if you want to grab that, that is at shop.ordinary-adventures.com. And if you're looking for a little more personal help, or perhaps you're a little further along in the process and you need some help deciding between a couple different tours or locations, or something like that, or maybe you're at the beginning and you just need the basics of your itinerary figured out, that is what my 30-minute Zoom planning sessions are all about. And that is your time to use however you want. It's super fun. Um, we can talk about whatever you need help with, and I'm really good at helping you in a short time get through the decisions you need to make. And then finally, if you want me to do it all for you, uh, I can do that too. And you'll find all the links for these in the show notes right below the tip jar. All right, back to the show. All right. And we are back with Cole Chambers from K2 Aviation, which is in Talkeetna. And among other things, K2 takes visitors up 
um, in planes for flight scene over Denali and glacier landings in Denali National Park when the weather cooperates and people want that. So that's what we've been talking about so far. Um, And I was wondering, Cole, if you could share a little bit about when you take climbers, uh, because it's not all like visitors doing flight scene that you do at K2. I know you also um, take people up to start their climb. And by the way, those of you listening, we did have an episode about climbing Denali, which um, it was episode 22, and it was on July 12th, 2023, with um, Ryan Cross, who is a search and rescue guy and also has climbed Denali. But I was wondering if you, and he did talk a little bit about the experience of flying up there um, to start the climb. But I was wondering if you could say a little bit more about that, like maybe what it's like just to be in the office and have like people starting their climb traipsing through (laughs) that sounds kind of like kind of a cool experience it's it's super cool you know and our team loves it um you know our team gets to know a lot of the uh, climbing guides over throughout the season and um we work really close with rmi expeditions um out of washington state they bring all their teams up with us and um and so we get to know them quite quite well uh, climbing season for Denali uh, is is really a special time. You know, our busy season for, I should say, K2 flies year round. So we we do tours year round, um, flight seeing, and then glacier landing start uh, end of March. And then our busy season is mid-May to mid-September for, for flight seeing and glacier landings. Um, but climbing season starts as early as April. Um, and it goes till mid-July. Peak season, of course, is May and June. Um, that's when most of the people that go uh, tend to climb. And so with with that, we bring our pilots in for training. Um, and I say training. Uh, we we will have some new pilots that they have to get checked off in every um, aircraft. Uh, not new pilots. I shouldn't say that. New to us pilots. <laughs> All yes. <our> pilots are, <laughs> are, no, like, this is my first day. <laughs> yeah, right. First time behind the um, yoke. <laughs> we are very experienced pilots, as you can imagine. But um we bring them in uh, because every pilot has to be checked off on every aircraft um, before they can before they can fly them. Um, and with that, we'll start uh, getting them ready for climbing season quite early. And so uh, we'll bring them in starting early March, um, some even uh, earlier than that. Uh, and and just to get them up to speed so that when the climbers come, we're ready to go and ready to fly them up to uh, Denali Base Camp. Um, Denali Base Camp is uh, at the at the lower end of the Kahiltna Glacier, uh, about the 7,000 foot mark on Denali. And so the climbers all come to town from all over the world, uh, which is really amazing to me. They'll register for the climb at uh, the Talkeetna Ranger Station. And then they've scheduled with us. And with that, uh, there's usually a window. Uh, Weather has to be right, of course. And so they'll schedule a day. And then we know there's um, a chance that uh, they might not go for three days uh, because maybe there's a storm that moved in or what have you. Um, and so we're really flexible with them. Um, they will come out and we have one of the hangers that we allow them to use to, to pack all their gear. Um, we will uh, fly them up to base camp. There's a base camp host there. And, and then we monitor their climb and then the radio, they radio us when they're finished with their climb and, and say, uh, this team's ready to be picked up, which is really incredible. Yeah, we're really fortunate to be a part of that. That is really cool. Do you ever fly the rangers up there or do they use their own park planes to do that? Uh, we do partner with the park and we do do some um, some flights with some rangers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
cool. Yeah. Um, awesome. And I'm not as familiar with, with that particular portion, um, but yep. I do know that, that it exists. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's cool. Okay. So, um, one other kind of thing related to planes and flying before we get more into Talkeetna for this is something Don and I also talked about for helicopters too. So kind of same question for you. If this is going to be someone's first time in a small plane, like not a jet, uh, what advice do you have about doing a small plane for the first time? Yeah, that's great. Um, So I think a lot of people don't realize that um, small planes are, um, they have to follow the same regulations that uh, the major airlines do as far as uh, safety goes. And so I think that's just having a little bit of a peace of mind at how safe air, uh, air travel really is in general. Yep. Um, and so uh, for the first time, really get excited uh, because it's it's something that's so very cool. Uh, now, I, I know it's not for everyone, but I even say, even if there's a, a small bit of interest, um, I, I say go for it. Yeah. And the fact that once they get up there, um, I have people all the time say, you know, I didn't know. I didn't know if I'd if I'd be afraid or not. And they get up there and they're starting to hear the, the pilot talk um, and they're getting the commentary and they're learning, learning about Denali, the mountain and the park. And uh, they're seeing this incredible scenery. And so many people say, I just forgot about my fear. I forgot that I was afraid. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. You know, <laughs> um, my husband included, he is not a fan of flying in general, even on major airlines. And yeah, um, you know, he's, he's gotten a little better at that because we, we travel a lot more, but um, he, when I first got the job, he's like, Oh, I don't know if I'm going to go up. And he's been up a number of times with us. And he says, you know, he says, every time I get on there, I forget, I forget that um, there was a worry at all. And you know, you, you're right there in the plane and you get to see the pilot actually piloting the aircraft, which is something you don't get to see in a major airline. And so yeah, that's um, really true. Yeah, I, I just there's something to it. To, and they're so knowledgeable and they love what they're doing. And um, so so I say get excited is what I say as far as uh, get ready to how to prepare yourself. Just get excited. Um, but, you know, if you have any questions when you come into the office, that's the other thing. Our teams are really great about answering those. Um, wow. what to expect. And yep. when you come in to our office, we have this really amazing um, new office we built uh, just, just before COVID, of course, it finished. Um, but it's this almost a lodge looking. And we really did it for the comfort of our clients. Instead of buying a new airplane, yeah. we built this giant lodge office um, that just makes it really comfortable when you come in. We have a theater there that's going to show a movie about our flights. So you kind of get a sense of what it's all about mm-hmm. before you even get up there. Um, our staff, we're going to weigh you in for your tour as soon as you walk in the door. Um, and that's discreet, of course. Uh, but yes. the whole process um, just shows you uh, a level of professionalism. You know, like I said, we've been doing this 60 years. And so you can see the airplanes out. Um, and, and you know, the the thing about us, too, I, that I love is that all of our, our aircraft are owned and maintained in-house. And our director of our maintenance staff uh, is one of the owners uh, of the company. And... So uh, he loves, yeah, super cool. And he personally hires every maintenance uh, person that we have. Um, A lot of our maintenance team, our mechanics are also pilots. And so in the wintertime, they are working on the planes, but they're also piloting our tours. And I think that's really unique and special about us as well. So, you know, we are a family operated business, but we are the largest flight scene company in um, South Central Alaska, uh, between us and our sister company in Anchorage. And um, 
and it really shows when you show up, uh, when you yeah. can see our, how beautiful our aircraft are. They're this striking red and white. And uh, and you can see the maintenance um, hangers um, open and pilots working on them. And every aircraft has a 100-hour uh, uh, inspection. So every 100 hours it is pulled and, and checked. There's also inspection that happens before any plane takes off. There's inspection that happens every time, every time a plane gets back. Log books are kept. If there's any sort of question on anything that um, any lights that's come on or anything like that, it's checked out right away and we don't send it in the next flight round. Um, so, yep. you know, people can be really confident that um, our planes are so well maintained and um, and it, they it just that just helps knowing going into it um, and, and it allows them to really focus on just having a good time and taking in this incredible mountain. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that. Uh, while you were talking about that, I just got, I, I don't know why I didn't think of this before, but I'm going to put your um, K2's Instagram in the show notes um, because I, this winter, I have really enjoyed the photos and videos that you all have posted of flying in the winter. Um, that's been really, and of course you have videos and photos all the time, but that has been really cool. So even if you don't have a trip coming up soon you can still follow along vicariously and see some cool like videos and photos so i'll put that oh, i love that. that in there too yeah thank you yeah. that's great yeah no problem and i'll also put of course the link to your website we'll talk more about that towards the end but okay so um if so as far as getting to you um you know you're in telkeetna so if if someone has a car and they're in telkeetna then they could just drive to your office and park there. Um, what about folks who take the train and are staying, you know, at hotels in the Telkeetna area? What is the best way for them to get to you? Yeah, that's great. So um, I will say, first off, we are partners with every major cruise line. We're partners with every tour operator. So if someone books through another company, um, they are usually able to book us no problem. Um, yeah. And they can also book direct, uh, which, you know, is, is really handy. But we are super accessible so you can get to us like you said by the highway via car um it's a very sh it's an easy drive about two and a half to three hours and a beautiful drive from anchorage yeah um, or coming down from denali it's a great stop on your way to anchorage um and then uh, as far as the train goes uh that in the summertime uh the train stops there twice a day you got the northbound and the southbound train and so it fits in the schedule. Um, you could even make it a day trip from Anchorage. If maybe you're not going all the way to Fairbanks or Denali National Park, you can get on to the Alaska Railroad in the morning, enjoy breakfast on board. Um, that's another incredible way to travel. Yes. Um, and, and see amazing scenery. And and then you get to Telkeetna before lunchtime and you can do a flight scene with us, explore the town, um, have lunch in town and then around four thirty five o'clock get back on the train and head back to Anchorage. Um, and, and it's a, just a really amazing full day. Um, that's a, a true Alaskan experience with the Alaska railroad flight seeing and then visiting Telkeetna. So, um, we also are connected by the park connection, which is a motor coach that runs daily, um, from they, they're based in Anchorage, but they go uh, down to Seward. Um, they do Anchorage, Telkeetna, uh, and, and Denali, I believe. And so um, that's an easy way to get to us as well. So there's yeah. a lot of different ways. And then, of course, a lot of tours include us on their itineraries. Yep. Um, so, yeah. And, and as far as hotels go, uh, Telkeetna Alaskan Lodge is a really beautiful hotel in town. 
it's the it's the largest hotel. There's a lot of small um, smaller inns and really cool places as well, um, and Airbnbs and small Airbnbs and lodges. But Talking Alaskan Lodge is the larger one, and it's got a really amazing view of Denali uh, just out yeah, the back. Um, it really the does. Best, I think the best in the state. And then um, we're also uh, not far from the McKinley Princess Lodge, um, which a lot of people will stay at uh, on their way to Denali. Or, um, and so that they have a bus from the McKinley Princess to Talkeetna, which connects you to our flights as well. Sweet. Awesome. Yeah. So that's something people often have questions about is like, I want to go here and there, but I don't want to deal with car rental. And like, how can yeah. I do that? And yeah, so that's great. Okay, so speaking of Talkeetna, I, I also agree with you that train travel is a pretty unique and cool way <laughs> to get places that are on the train route, like Talkeetna is and Denali National Park. Um, okay, so I would love to know what are some of your favorite things to um to do in Talkeetna? Like if you're listening, just know Talkeetna is a tiny, tiny town. Uh, but it's super cool and quirky, I think. So are there any favorite things that you'd recommend to visitors um, for other things to do in Talkeetna besides flight scene? Absolutely. You know, Talkeetna uh, won my heart early on. Um, I visited Talkeetna the first year that I, I lived in Alaska, and I just fell in love. Um, it truly is one of my favorite places. Uh, it's it's a small town with a big personality, and um, there's so many really great just outside of any other activities, and there's tons of activities to do, just walking down Main Street and looking at the small local Alaskan shops um, and the amazing amount of restaurants, really, uh, for a tiny town. Um, yeah. So many places to, you can get a great cup of coffee um, and you can get ice cream, Um Right there on Main Street, you're walking down. You can have anything from hot dogs, burgers to fine dining. Uh, it, there's a there's a brewery, which is really amazing brewery in town, um, that does also um, craft cocktails. Uh, they have cider now. Um, their beer is incredible. So you know, for a small, really small town, it it has so much to offer. And so every time I go, um, I kind of hit all those places. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, you know. Um, yep. The, the Talkeetna Roadhouse uh, has been known for years for their incredible breakfasts and their lodging is is really super special. Um, so yeah. I stay there quite a bit when I when I go up, especially in the winter time. Um, as far as uh, and, and the brew pub Denali Brew Pub is is probably my my favorite spot for food. Um, I just like the atmosphere there. Um, Mountain High Pizza Pie for pizza. Uh, both mm -hmm. those places have um, will have a uh, they're open in the winter time. And so I'll try to trade off. And then in the summer, Mountain High has this really incredible courtyard that has live music. Uh, awesome. and, and to sit outside enjoying an awesome pizza with great beer and watching some, some local Alaskan music. There's something special about that. Uh, yeah. The brewery, you can actually tour the brewery now and they have a, a pizza restaurant um, right on site along the highways you're coming into town. Um, there's a bakery called the Flying Squirrel. I could talk all day about about. <laughs> Um, that that has just the most amazing home uh, baked goods and um, and soups. And then on the weekends they'll do um, a fire baked pizza as well, or oven a fire oven pizza. And yeah, so I just uh, no shortage. I'm, I love to, when I travel. It's all about the food, and so there's no shortage of great food in Talkeetna. <laughs> yes, 
Um, totally agree. And then, of course, the Fairview Inn is one of the oldest bars in the state. And I got to know that at a young age with my husband's a musician. I shouldn't say young age. In my young, early 20s. Yeah. Um, and, until now. But uh, my husband was a musician and he played there uh, when we came to town. And there's just something really special about it. It can get a little rowdy, but um, yeah. I love <laughs> but I, I, I just, you're always going to meet the locals. Um, yes. You're always going to meet some of the climbers. Yep. I think that's a cool thing to sit at any of those restaurants and maybe be sitting at some people that just came off the mountain. That's yep. incredible. Yep. Yeah. So um, as far as, as far as what to do, you could just do nothing and walk Main Street. And it would be awesome. But we have so many cool tours as well. We have an awesome zip line company. Um, we've got ATV tours, uh, Dallas CVs, dog sledding is really really something special um to be able to even in the summer have those dogs run you on a cart you get to run yeah. your own sled in the winter um i just uh there's we have some museums in town uh there's some great hiking um some guided hiking with howard carbone there um it just there's there's just not you could you could really fill multiple days in talkeetna and totally and like, oh, it's a tiny town how could i do that but you absolutely could. And then just to walk to the river. We have walk down Main Street and keep walking. And um, Talkeetna is known for, for its rivers and uh, the float trips on the rafts and things like that. And you get yep. down to the river, you can have an amazing view of the mountain. Um, and just to stand there on the beach for a little bit and, and check out the river. Talkeetna actually means a place where three rivers meet. And so, I don't know, you're surrounded by water and mountains yeah. and great restaurants. What else is yeah. there? <laughs> I know. It's pretty awesome. Um, one other thing that I just wanted to mention that I think is really cool in Talkeetna is the ranger station. Um, that is, so it's called the Walter Harper Ranger Station and it's, um, it's right downtown. All these things Cole is talking about are like right there and it's small. It's not like a big visitor center. So that's good to know, but it's cool because you can go in there and you can see the board that like shows you know, climbers that are on the mountain. And um, it's also named for Walter Harper, who was a native Alaskan, who was the first person to reach the summit of Denali. So that's also kind of cool. So I just wanted to give a shout out to that spot also. Yes, I'm sorry, I forgot that. So that's no, a, you can. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's I loved all those suggestions. I just wanted to add that one because I think it's kind of cool it. too. <laughs> And by the way, if you get kind of, if you can't tell, I easily get caught up a little bit in Walter Harper's story. Um, he was also like 19, I believe, when he summited Denali, which is amazing. Um, there's also a statue and kind of a memorial to him in Fairbanks. So it's like right downtown near the pedestrian bridge. So if you're also going to Fairbanks and you get caught up in the story, then, um, or even if you don't, it's still kind of a cool thing to see in Fairbanks. Cool. You know, and you mentioned that, and then it, it reminded me of Don Sheldon. And so we also have a um, we also have an arts hangar in town. And so they do a little a little market during the summertime. And then the arts hangar, uh, it's an old it's an old airplane hangar that they've turned into a theater. And so there's live theater. Um, they have live music with national acts that come through there from time to time. And so definitely yes. check out the the Don Sheldon Arts Hangar and. And Don Sheldon, for for those that don't know, I didn't know until I moved to Alaska, was um, a very famous pilot in Alaska and one of the foremost rescue pilots um, for the mountain itself. And uh, if you ever get to read about his adventures, um, there's some really, really amazing stories and some of the things that he did. Cool. 
Yeah, that is. Yeah, Telkina has lots of like music and arts, again, for being really yeah. small. Like there's a lot happening there. It's very cool. It is. Yeah. Um. Okay, so we talked about some of these final wrap-up questions a bit already, but now I'm going to really put you on the spot, Cole, <laughs> to see if you can pick a favorite. It's going to be hard. Um, If you're visiting and you could only have a meal in one restaurant, where oh. would it be? So... I mean, you can pick two. <laughs> um... I don't want to ask you to do the impossible here. No, you know, first off, I can say you can't go wrong. But if I was going to yeah. just do one, um, I would probably do the Denali Brew Pub. Um, yeah. It's an icon. Yeah, I just, the atmosphere is there, so good there. And I just feel so welcome. And yeah. um, they've got specials. And, you know, it's it's a, they make everything from scratch and, um, so I guess that would, I guess that would be it. But, you know, like even the, the restaurant, the Telkin Alaskan Lodge has amazing food. They do. Um, yeah. <laughs> they do. They sit on the deck and, and look at the mountain and yeah. and that's special. Um, mountain High Pizza Pie. I, I love their pizza. Um, I, I can eat a whole one of myself. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I just, uh, you, you can't go wrong, but I would say that's, um, you know, and, yeah. And there's, there's a few more, of course, but. Um, yeah. every, every place mix it up stay a couple days and, and hit a yes couple of don't as you can see you don't want to limit yourself to only one restaurant experience in Telkina. and we have food trucks too i didn't even go into those but, oh um, there's so yes food <laughs> yes also food trucks also so many things awesome okay so how about again i know this is really hard how about your favorite thing to do in Telkina? outside of flight seeing i hope you mean yes <laughs> Um, my favorite thing to do, uh, you know, I just, I just kind of like to hike around the trails, um, yeah. and, and walking main street, um, I, I just taking in the town that way. But as far as an activity goes, if I was not going to do flight seeing, I would probably say the Dallas CV, uh, dog studying experience. Yeah. Yep. That's that's typically where I'll send my my family. Um, yeah, I just think it's such an Alaskan thing to do. Yep. Um, and to see how well uh, loved the dogs are and how much yep. they love running. Um, when we say it's the Alaska state sport, dog mushing, um, you kind of get a sense of why. Yeah, for sure. And for folks who are listening, if you don't know who Dallas Sevi is, he is a um he's a famous Alaskan in Alaska. He is has how many times has he won the Iditarod Cold? Five you know? times. Yeah. Five okay. Times. A lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cool. Uh, it's just incredible. Yeah. It is amazing. Yeah. All right. So finally, what is your favorite month in Talkeetna? Oh, I have two. Okay. Um. So, uh, or two times a year. It's not even yeah. a month that crosses over. My my favorite time in Alaska in general is um the end of June, beginning of July. Yeah. Um, I just think, I just think Alaska comes to life. Uh, the mountains outside of Denali have turned to lush green. And then you've got this you know, white mountain of Denali standing there amongst it. Um, the wildflowers are blooming. The rivers are all flowing. Um, it's just, uh, I just think it's really, Alaska is just glowing at that time. And then my second favorite time is at the end of summer, um, end of August, beginning of September, 
where autumn is starting. And so we're finally getting, um, oh, and my first time, I didn't even mention the 24 hours of daylight. You know, you can spend, do so much in your day. Yeah. That time. And yep. Yeah. <laughs> and then fall, um, we're starting to get dark again in the evenings. And so it's dark enough to potentially see Northern lights, but still be able to do all the amazing activities. Uh, we have beautiful fall colors and it's not like New England where you're getting the reds and purples in the trees, but you are getting um, the undergrowth, uh, especially in Denali Park, um, those lichens and mosses are turning the reds and purples against the yellows and golds of the aspen and birches. And yep. that is striking in itself. Um, so those are my two favorite times of year. Love it. Those are great choices. Sweet. Well, Cole, thank you so much for joining me for this episode of Alaska Uncovered. It was really wonderful having you. Jenny, thank you so much for having me. I just, I really enjoyed it. Um, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And thanks to all of you for joining us today for this episode. Um, make sure to get on my email list if you haven't already, so you can not only hear me give you Alaska travel tips, but get them in your email inbox as well. So thank you so much for being here and we'll see you next time.